Jenna, with everything that's happening around us today, how impacted is the mental health of parents? Oh, very much so. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I had to take a deep breath for that one. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Um, yeah I took it with so. you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Um, and I think that parents are not giving themselves enough. They're not cutting themselves enough slack. Um, I think that, you know, I keep saying this every time we record this. This is unprecedented times. There's so much going on. We've for been there so for a long people. time, it feels like. We right? have, yeah. you know. And it's just that I think that a lot of parents I've spoken to feel compelled to kind of just be awesome at it and kind of know how to adjust and acclimatize to everything. And, and it's just, I feel so unrealistic and so unfair and of an expectation to put on themselves. But, um, but yeah, definitely a really difficult time for parents, um, you know, and, and by extension for their kids as well. How much worse mm. is it when parents see some other, like on TikTok, some parents just killing it, you know? And then yeah. they see like, I can't even get food on the table properly. Yeah. Or yeah. or if I get food on the table, that's my big win. That's yeah. for me. That's most days is mm-hmm. when I actually manage to cook dinner, I mm-hmm. consider that a win day. Yeah. And so <clears throat> it's funny, things like that, right? Like parents expressing so much guilt over having to order takeout for their kids, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, or parents expressing so much guilt over the fact there's an extra, you know, load of laundry that they have to get or done. Or I um, lost the sock and then they just lose it, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, I mean, like these are things which day to day would not normally impact you in the same, you know, the same way or at this, mm. you know, in this, with the same gravity. And yet it is, it is things that you're right. We're hearing a lot of parents getting very triggered over very little things, mm. which goes to show that they're, what I like to say, your plate is kind of full, right? And um, and you're maybe glossing over the fact that we are living in difficult times. And I, and I think the common thing I hear is, oh, it's been almost two years. I should be good at it by now. There's a lot of these, you know, in, in psych, we say that when there's a lot of these shoulds, musts, needs, those words coming yes. out, there's a lot of expectations, a lot of angry words, right? Mm. So I think that, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of parents are struggling because, I mean, how can they not? Their job scope has just tripled, if not quadrupled, right? Yeah. They're not just a parent. They're having to, you know, work from home. They're having to be cleaners. If you're, you know, they're having to, you know, be their kids' teachers. There are all of these extra responsibilities. one leg kick, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's just, yeah, it's definitely challenging for, for parents. Forget full plate. We're talking about teetering on the razor's edge of the precipice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. hundred um, percent. So an article from the UK by Cressida Manning and Alan Gregoire talk about genetics. Now, how do mm. genetics affect the mental health of parents? that with regards to like mental health they've always kind of or not always but there's there's now this shift where they're trying to look for predictors right so mm-hmm. as with anything right with things like autism with ADHD they've always been interested in whether there are particular genes that can predict whether a person is more susceptible to uh, stress more susceptible to anxiety and so on and mm-hmm. so forth right um, and so and so while we haven't yet been able to put our finger on particular you know markers but it is it is an area that's being heavily researched Research. And yes, there are certain uh, factors which can contribute to why a person is more susceptible to these things. But definitely some individuals will be more prone towards uh, stress levels, for example. Right. Um, and so that's why going back to what JD said before, when you have platforms like social media painting mm. you this very doctored, very perfect picture, um, and you are somebody who is a lot more prone to anxiety, um, you do get 
affected by those things in a greater way than an than, than a typical person. And because there is that need or that tendency to compare, right? Um, because you know social media does that, um, that even that escalates it even more. So I think that that's kind of it. We have to accept that whether there is a genetic predisposition or not. We are very, we're all very different people and we will respond to very different things. Like, you know, like Ash, what you were saying, I've got friends who are very devastated. They feel like they failed as a parent for just having to order takeout for their kids once, once every few days. Right. And, and that might not be something that another person thinks is a big deal, but we have to acknowledge that we are all experiencing things in very different ways because we're very different people. And so, yeah. And each day is different. Like what you could handle yesterday is not what you can handle today. And I think that's also, you know, um, an interesting sort of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, How are children affected by parents who are suffering from mental health issues? Mm. I, I have this analogy that I feel like parents are, I feel like life is about us being on an airplane and parents are the pilots and kids are the passengers. And if your parents or if you're on a plane and a pilot runs out of the cockpit screaming with zero context, passengers start freaking out. Right. <laughs> and that is kind of how I look at parenting. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> very my best. I'm freaking yeah, out right now. But I'm right now. Yeah. 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 And so that's kind of how I look at it. Right. Is that we, we as children, especially in the formative years, you put blind faith in your parents because that's kind of what you have to do. And it's very much like us on a plane. Right. We put blind faith in this person that we often don't see who's in the cockpit. Right. And so when our parents are struggling and and this is a common misconception that i often have to break with parents they think that it's something that only affects them why should it affect my child right i'm struggling i'm anxious i'm depressed mm-hmm. it shouldn't affect my child but by by like with this analogy it doesn't need to be something that people that your children understand that your children um can see it will impact their lives right it will freak them out even without any context right and so what i tell parents in in all of the talks i give is that when your mental health starts to struggle right at the bare minimum what it does is it communicates to your child what behaviors are acceptable so if you are the if you are struggling or stressed for example and you are a little bit more agitated than usual so you will take it out on people you'll raise your voice you'll chuck things if you're angry you are communicating to your children that those behaviors are acceptable in the same in the same um, situation so you will see an increase of behaviors with your child your child will equally become agitated they will chuck things when they're angry they will they will mimic right what you're doing because as the pilot of this instance you are communicating to them what is acceptable right so that is something that you do at the bare minimum right that you are showing them behaviors that that they that they will then recognize as acceptable in that setting but at its worst it's the message that you're communicating because if you're struggling with your mental health chances are you're not able to to mask it very well and so you are expressing it to your children especially the older ones that when you struggle silence is what you need to do Mm. right so Mm. if you have depression for example and you're not seeking help and you're not talking about it you're telling them that if you are struggling you can't talk about it and you can't seek help right so I've had parents also come to me and say why does my child not want to open up why is my child keeping their mental health issues a secret? Because you've taught them that. Right. So there's a lot of impact over keeping quiet when it comes to, when it comes to you know, if you're living with kids, definitely. Mm. I'm sitting here listening to you going tick, 
tick, tick, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly of things. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> what kind of long-term effects are we talking about on children who are raised by parents with mental health issues? Mm, because if you take all of those examples I just mentioned, so it might mm. start off as just behavioral issues that they pick up on later growing into I have mental health issues that I can't talk about and I can't address. Mm. Generally speaking for human beings, if they're kept in a situation where problems are not resolved and they don't find, they're not being offered solutions for them, <clears throat> then what will happen is that that issue will then grow into most likely a, a full-blown mental health issue. So the risk of a child developing things like clinical depression or major depressive disorder or generalized anxiety disorder, things in those areas go up if they're not getting the support. That because they it need. festers. Because it festers, exactly. Right. right? Anything that festers will develop but into if something it, if worse. It's starts off innocently enough where you think ah, it's just going to go away but then if you leave it alone it, oh I see okay yeah if you leave yeah. it even if it's just like you know teaching your child that you're, it's, it's okay to kind of have anger issues when you're yeah. upset right Um, that could blow up into something else okay. right that could get your child into a heck of a lot of uh, uh, you know problems with authority later on because they're not taught at home that it's a problem right so I tell parents, you know, like, clearly I, I have a thing for planes because another plane analogy is that there's a reason why they tell you on flights to put the mask on yourself before you put it on yeah, your child, yeah, yeah. right? And and I, and the reason behind that is that you need to be able to be in the mental space or physical space to care for your child in the way that they need to be because they can't do it themselves. So to think that your struggle is private and that it's not going to affect your children is completely unreasonable, not going to happen. All right. I can't stop thinking about pleats. <laughs> okay. Can we touch on a sort of uh, quite a large population of parents mm. of Sen kids and mm. the dynamics of Sen children um, most often, you know, struggling with their own mental health uh, mm -hmm. issues as a result mm -hmm. of them just trying to get on with things. And the mm -hmm. parents also struggling from mental health issues as a result of mm -hmm. having to parent within that kind of situation, mm -hmm. especially in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. JD just frowned. Are you wondering what SEND means? Yeah. Special education needs. I see. -E okay. So, so, so Ash is absolutely right. When you have a a special needs child or a send child at home um, that has a lot of additional needs, um, and the lockdowns and pandemics have have taken those needs, which you might have had the assistance of therapists and, and teachers and things to kind of supplement, you are now taking all of those things on. It yeah. is a huge undertaking, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been why I've been a huge champion of allowing these, these centers to remain open because I appreciate that to have to expect parents to handle it all on their own is really, really unreasonable and unfair. Um, and it takes a huge toll. So definitely a lot of parents parents who have who have sent kids at home are struggling with their mental health um, they don't have children who are going to be necessarily cognizant of that and responsive to that um, so in that case you know I, I tell <clears throat> the parents that I'm working with it is more important than ever 
to make sure that you're able to prioritize your mental health, to be able to give yourself breaks whenever you can, right? So that's kind of the, the, the challenge because your kids are going to rely on you and pick up on your cues more than if you would say a neurotypical child, if we want to use that reference, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely a huge challenge. And again, I don't see parents kind of really giving themselves that, that, that credit. They're often saying that they should do, they should be better at it. They have to be better at it you know takes you know but i mean like guys like it's it's such a it's such a difficult situation right um and so that's why yeah you know i've been i've been me and my colleagues have been fighting to make sure that all these centers can stay open and that kids can go back to schools um you know and and i've had people throw at me accusations that i don't care about kids getting sick Uh, i even had someone tell me the other day because you don't have your own biological children you don't care about kids getting sick and that is completely untrue it's the it's the reality Reality that having everything shut was impacting not just the mental health of the children, but the mental health of their parents, mm-hmm. right? And so, so definitely now that things have kind of picked up steam and, and all these centers are now open and your kid can get the support that they need, you as the parents, you've done an amazing job in this <clears throat> in the last two years. You need to be able to do all of the self-care you need right now to get your mental health where it needs to be if it has struggled up until this point. Just but to back yes, you up on what you important. said just now, I think the fact that just because you don't have kids or whatever, right, that, that statement, mm. I think mm. you just see things very black and white. That's the, that's the difference, right? Yeah, because yeah. I go through and, and, that as well. You don't have kids, you don't know. You like, don't have kids, yeah. But yeah. you know, but but yeah, like I said, right? Like I've got, I might not have a biological kids, but I've got hundreds of kids that I Correct. take care of who I feel like are mine in a way, you know. Mm. And so, who I am responsible for, and I, and I think that you know, yes, this virus is something that we have to be concerned about, but we have to weigh it out against this other threat which is the threat on mental health and the statistics coming back since COVID began of how the, the of the mental health cost on kids is terrifying. It's the exact same thing as yes. how they're trying to balance lives and livelihoods and everything, right? The whole argument that this is the same yeah. thing, right? It's yeah. the same thing, yeah. right? And, and sometimes it doesn't, it falls on deaf ears, yeah. but I, I, you know, I look at the stats and I'm just like, this cannot continue, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so yeah, so I tell parents who, who've been caring for their, their kids at home, especially if your child has special needs, you have done an, an, ex, an exceptional job at during this time. And I get that you've kind of had, I've had parents tell me they've almost been in military mode. They've kind of just taken it one day at a time, right, Ash? And just kind of getting things done, right? And so, you know, that's kind of been my motivation to get, uh, you know, people listening, you know, people kind of paying attention to this. And so now that everything is open, you know, you know that yeah. you now have the space to get the help that you need. So please get it. Don't sweep it under the carpet now that the options are available. Auntie Gill has yeah. been taking a lot of stuff in this conversation. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, I, I, I do because, you know, it, it is a weight that uh, is, is in, it's yeah. overwhelming. Yeah, um, I can tell. Because I, yeah. I, I see you every day, right? You I see know Amy every day. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you can tell just by the look on my face what kind <laughs> of day I had yesterday yeah. or the night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about diagnosing then. Uh, yeah. How can we as parents pick up on possible he- mental health issues? For ourselves, mm-hmm. look for, I mean, the same thing I say when you're looking for kids, actually, is look for changes, right? So things that you might have been quite uh, 
happy to do before you can't do it. You can't do anymore. Changes in your eating habits, your sleeping habits, your focus, uh, hygiene, even if you're kind of finding it just pointless to just take care of yourself. Those are all markers that your mental health is starting to deteriorate. Right. Um, Also look for things like, um, you know, if your mood has kind of changed, you're a little bit testier than usual, a little bit more agitated, uh, a little bit more hopeless than usual, right? So if you're starting to see changes in these areas, so your mood, uh, your physical health, even like some people will report, for example, more issues with headaches, more issues yeah. with stomach aches, you know, migraines, that kind of thing. Your body is trying to tell you something, right? So if there are an increase in all of these symptoms, just not a bad idea just to get it checked out, right? Mm. So if you have these migraines that keep coming up, keeping you in bed for days on end, go and see a doctor and make sure that there's nothing kind of going on. And if your doctors are telling you that from a biological perspective, there's absolutely no reason why you should be having these pains, it's probably psychosomatic. Your brain's probably trying to tell you that, you know, we've kind of reached a bit of a limit here, right? So there is absolutely no shame in getting in getting help when you need it. Um, even though you think you have to be superwoman or superman when you have a child, you need to make sure that you're okay first. Even Superman knows when to go get help when the kryptonite hits him. Exactly. Um, yes, exactly. exactly. We're having a rainfall of kryptonite right now, right? Exactly. Yes, yes exactly. So what are the signs that we might need to help um, our children based on their behavior? Mm. So their changes might be a little bit more behavior driven. So you will see like not wanting to socialize with their friends, even if their ki- if your kid is a big fan of, of video games and all of a sudden isn't playing it as much anymore um, or doesn't want to play online games as much. Um, you're seeing, you know, things like temper tantrums. You're seeing things like a lot of defiant behavior, any type of change. Again, the sleep is the sleep things also worth noting their eating habits, their hygiene, all of the same stuff that we're looking for. But with younger kids or with kids in general, you'll probably see more behavioral stuff than you might see with an adult or with yourself. Um, So because they can't kind of regulate that as well. So that's an indicator um, that your child is probably struggling. Right. And you don't need to kind of jump in and go straight to seeing a mental health professional. If you're noticing these things, it's always good just to kind of point it out with your kids, but not in an angry way, but just kind of saying like, hey, I'm kind of noticing that you're not playing as much games anymore. Everything okay? You know, and just kind of bringing up these conversations because of course there could be a valid reason why they don't want to, right? Mm -hmm. Without you kind of just getting really panicked about it. But if your child's kind of avoiding the conversation or not really able to give you a straight answer after a few attempts of pointing out different things, then maybe best to kind of say like, you know, I get really overwhelmed by stuff, especially when things aren't going my way and with everything going on right now, working from home, I'm really, really stressed. And what I find really helpful is to talk to someone on the outside who doesn't, you know, who's not going to make me feel bad or not going to judge me for the things I say. So I think it'd be a good idea if we went and found someone for you too and just kind of like segueing into that. And notice how I made it seem like as a parent that it's something that I agree with. Right. Because Mm -hmm. if you're telling a child you need to go and see a therapist, you're making them feel like there's something wrong with them. Because I think you wouldn't like it if someone said it to you in that fashion. Right. So kind of pointing it out to your child that, hey, this is actually like something that I agree with as well and something that I believe in. And some and you're also admitting to your own struggles. You're showing your child that struggling in this time is normal and not a by and not a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. I actually had a child I spoke to yesterday. She kind of broke my heart a little bit who said to me that given everything that's been going on, she should be better at it. 
right? That she oh said that goodness. like, you know, you know, it's my fault <sighs> that I am struggling because by now I should have adjusted to it by now. It right? sounds like something we adults say. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is coming from, a, I think she was 14. Right. And so it's like, I think that when you don't show your kids that this struggle is normal, that we're all finding it difficult in our own ways, you make them feel like there's a problem with them because they can't acclimatize mm-hmm. and adjust or whatever they're supposed to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've even had kids tell me that, like, you know, they might have ADHD or something because they don't try hard enough. Right. I mean, this type of tone that it's all somehow their fault is just not healthy. Right. So I think, yeah. So I think if you if you notice some very big red flags. Right. um, And a lot of parents go online and they look up behaviors and they look, you know, they look at what the symptoms are. If you see red flags that you're concerned about, just start by bringing them up. Right. Mm. Just pointing out things that you notice, like, you know, how come you don't want to have dinner with us anymore? How come you're always eating in your bedroom? Right. You can make it very playful and make it very joking right? in a way that you bring it up. But just pointing it out. And then if it's not getting addressed, if there's no valid kind of explanation for why that's happening, um, then it's it's probably worth looking Mm. into. Talking about that sort of conversation or having those conversations around mental health, you know, Mm. How important is it for parents to explain what they may be going through, whether it's a mental health issue mm-hmm. or um, a mental illness um, mm. to children, especially when they're on the road to recovery? Mm. You see, I, I think that Asian parenting has kind of taught us that if you show your flaws or if you admit to struggle with your child, your child won't respect you that your child can't look up to you in the way that they need to as a parent, right? That is completely untrue, right? Because what you're doing by sharing with your child, you need not go into the details if you don't want to, but just admitting to the fact that even as an adult, even even as a parent, you are not immune to the struggle, right? Mm -hmm. That it is about you know, overcoming these struggles, finding solutions, taking care of yourself, that these are things that you have tried and believed in and you have done with success. And what you're doing is that you're showing your child an example, right? Mm -hmm. Not talking to your child about this and kind of keeping on that facade that I am impervious, that I am, look, I'm fine, right? It makes them feel weak. It makes them feel like they're the problem because, hey, if mom and dad don't go through it and I'm the only one going through it, then it must be a me problem, right? And that can affect their mental health in really, really bad ways. So I always tell parents, you don't have to tell your child your diagnosis if you don't want to. You don't have to tell your child the details of your trauma if you don't want to, right? Maybe even best not to if they're very young. But just admitting that you have bad days, And that you have days where you are overwhelmed and stressed and you feel like you don't want to try anymore. Admitting to those things is not going to make your kid disrespect you or not try or not look up to you. Right. It might actually make your kid trust you even more. Right. Right. So I think it's important, especially if, like you said, you've got a child who's struggling and they're going through the process knowing that you're on their side, knowing that you're cheering them on, that you've overcome the same obstacles, that's going to keep them going. That's going, going. to keep them, you know, motivated mm. to, pretty, to, I think to get better. There's going to be empathy built up. I mean, it's both sides. Like you empathize yeah. with your kid, but then your kid also empathizes like, yeah, mommy's yeah. going through that. So I, I yeah. you know, 
I, I exactly. I understand why she's that yeah. way, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like you know, I this pain that I feel. Yeah. She, she or he, like mom or dad, you know, feels it too. Right. And so you, yeah, you, you, you kind of encourage empathy, yeah. right? But, but yeah. Or, or uh, you know, humor. When I told you know my kiddo that I'm actually going to be talking to a therapist about you know mm. feeling overwhelmed and stuff I'm dealing with, and mm. I'm, I'm looking, I'm shopping for one right now. Mm-hmm. His responses were. A oh poor therapist, and it's like you're not going to burden Katiana with this, are you? I'm like, no, she's his kids. But you know what? In his in his uh, humor, right? There, there is yeah. empathy. Like he, he's like, yeah, okay, no, absolutely, right? absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it yeah. normalizes it, which is what I love Precisely. about these conversations. But yeah, a hundred percent, right? And so it's like you know, and and even like like one of my other kids was telling me the other day, she was like, oh, I don't feel like I should go to therapy because this is not a sickness. I'm wasting my parents' money and it's a waste of time, right? Like there's a lot of stigma against going to therapy, right? And so I have to explain to people or explain to her especially that you would never tell someone with diabetes not to go to the doctor because it's Mm -hmm. wasteful, right? Mm -hmm. Nor would you with someone who has cancer, right? This is exactly the same thing, right? And so I think that there's so much more conversations that need to be had surrounding mental health and mental health access in this country um, and telling people, and she said to me, like, because, go, you know, this kid's saying, like, you know, going to therapy means I'm crazy. I'm like, no, it doesn't, you know? <laughs> yeah. and No, it doesn't. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sorry that that's been perpetuated in your household, this idea that it is. But um, so, yeah, so talking about therapy and, and talking about how healthy it is for you to talk about your problems, right, yeah. um, is something that's only going to help kids in the long term, especially now where the generation, you know, these the teens and below through TikTok and Instagram are so aware of mental health issues, right? So they are so conscious of what is healthy thoughts and unhealthy thoughts. It's kind of amazing, but the problem is that they can't access services on their own, mm. right? They're not able to engage these services without parental consent. And so there is a block where parents due to their own concerns or their own hangups are not allowing these kids to access services when they need to. So that's why these conversations are super important because you're allowing that to kind of take place. Is there a simple gent... Are we okay? Yeah, yeah, carry yeah. on? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, is there a, a sort of simple general rule of thumb when you're mm. talking about you know, treating your own mental health condition without Mm. neglecting your duty as a parent? Mm. So I think, you know, you need to be able to know where your limit is, right? So when you are in a particular space where you can't handle certain things, or if you were to take them on, it will compromise on your conduct or your principles as a parent, right? And I say this sort of very vaguely because there's no kind of format for that, where parents, there might be different things that parents find difficult to do, right? Like some parents might think that I can pretty much handle the day-to-day, but when my child is, you know, being difficult that's something that I can't handle right now right because my mental health is not great or for example if my child is anxious and mom or dad is anxious and having to handle the you know take on your child's anxiety right that could be something that you can't handle so everybody has different limits based on what Mm. they're going through so it's important for you to first have a conversation with yourself about what those limits are Right. And if your child approaches those limits, that's where you need to be able to take a time out. Right. And be like, sweetie, mommy loves you. Mommy really wants to help you. But mommy's kind of in the middle of something. So give me a few minutes and I'll come right back. 
right? So even if it's just excusing yourself to take a mm-hmm. breather, just kind of, you know, to distance yourself from that and then come back to it. If you have a partner that's with you, this should be something that you communicate so they understand that that's like code word for I might need to step in because my partner can't handle it, right? Um, and if you're a single parent, just being able to articulate that mommy's got to do something for a moment or mommy's got a stomach ache, even if you have to kind of fib it to give you a bit of a, a bit of distance from it. Oh, then, yeah. You know, well, I've done I, that. This is where I see like uh, having a partner helps because you, you tag team things, right? In a way. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like if you have a partner, it's so important yeah. to be able to, to, mm-hmm. to communicate these things openly so that they understand that's, that's a sign that I need to kind of step in. But for it's so her. tough if yeah. you're a single parent. If you're a single parent, it's difficult. Excuse me, yeah. I just need to do this for all. Ah, you know. You <laughs> Actually, that, that's yeah. what we do, and it's it's that, it's that moment where it's like, okay, parent self, parent child. No, parent self first. Okay, parent self first, then go parent child. Okay, yeah. so go to the bathroom yeah. and it's sitting there, and you're yeah. like, la 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 la, whatever you have to do, and then go back, like, okay. Can parent yeah. child now? Yes. I mean, of course, ideally, you never get, I mean, of course, that's the that's the goal of therapy is to make sure that you never get to the point where your plate is pretty much full. And so anything that your child brings <laughs> in, you know, you're I'm hopeful. laughing. I'm like, what is that level? Plate, yeah, it's, it's dripping everywhere, all over the table. <laughs> My gravy yeah. spilleth over. I know, yes. get bold you know? That's, the, that's the hope that we can kind of, you know, with therapy and, and with, with support that you, you never have to have a plate that's like spilleth over right your plate can be full but at least with a with a therapist you have someone sharing that load with you so you're not going to be you know at maximum capacity a hundred percent of the time you know so these moments of having to remove yourself can be reserved for the days where you're a hundred percent at max capacity but uh, but the goal or the hope is that you know you have someone that can assist or that you have that outlet so that you're not having to escape most of the time and you can kind of step in when you need to. Okay, go. So Katana, what's your advice to family members who want to help with the parents struggling with mental health issues? I think, you know, the same thing that I said doing with kids, right, is just kind of pointing out certain things, but definitely taking all the judgment, all the accusation out of it and just kind of saying like, you know, you look really tired, everything okay? Or stuff like that, right? Just kind of without Mm -hmm. having to be like, you know, why is this so difficult? Why you look like that? You know, that kind of thing. You just pointing out that there are areas of concern and being very sensitive and mindful over how you kind of express it. I tell people, if it's something that's going to offend you, don't say it, right? Mm -hmm. If it's going to be a, 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 if you hear that from someone and that's going to bother you and insult you, don't deliver it to someone else, right? Don't, Don't send it out to someone else. So, Pointing those things out and then just kind of suggesting like, you know, I don't, it makes, it makes me really sad to see you guys struggling this way. Like, how can I help? Right. Just kind of Mm -hmm. offering that first. Again, you might not, they might not need to seek a mental health professional, right? The assistance could just be in the form of helping them babysit the kids every, you know, every few days so that they can have break. Yeah. Just a break so they can have date night, right? And do stuff like that. Um, you know, it might not be to the extent because I think that's kind of what hinders a lot of people from getting involved. 
is that they think that, oh, if I get involved and it's like, you know, I have to tell them to go and see a therapist and that might offend them or they can't afford it and then I'd have to pay or whatever. There's all these hangups that they, that they feel they're going to have to, to be responsible for. But the reality of it is it might not be most of the time, you know, just being able to, yeah, offer babysitting services so they can have a date night every once in a while or, you know, bringing them home cooked food on days where they can't, they've had a busy day, right? Mm-hmm. Little things like that are, in, are could make a world of difference. Um, but you won't know what that is until you talk to people. So if you're noticing a parent uh, or a couple that you are close to, and you can just kind of see all of the signs we've talked about kind of coming up, then what I would suggest is to just kind of point out like, hey, I can see that you're really struggling, right? And I really want to help. Tell me how, right? Mm-hmm. And if they tell you like, I need to go talk to somebody, you know, help make those connections. But if they don't, then fill in the gaps wherever you can, right? Of course, that being the bit wherever you can. Um, and if you feel like they need more or they're asking for more than you can help give them, then help connect them to people who might be able to assist, right? But it's always good to point things out so that these people who are struggling, who think that they have to handle things by themselves are being one shown that mm, it's not really working. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. we can see that you're struggling and two, that you're not alone, that you do have people who want to help you. It takes a village to raise a child. But when someone brings it up, right. Doesn't it sometimes I'm not saying all, but sometimes mm -hmm. some people feel like, Oh, I failed. Of course, right? And that's why I say that it's really important to be able to reinforce that when you talk to them, right? Um, If you're going to go into that conversation to prosecute someone, don't do it, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going into it because you feel like, oh, she's such a bad parent, she doesn't need to know that. There's no reason for you to have to say that. I'm pretty sure she knows that that she's struggling already. She's probably already like, you know, um, you know, vilifying herself in her head. You know, you don't Are you guys talking about me? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> wow, the video. But, something's know, wrong with the video. I gotta stop. Okay, no, no. <laughs> but you know, I think so. It's. I feel like you know. Sometimes we have to remember that there, there really is no benefit to some of the things that you might say to someone, right? I mean, just pay, making a comment that's just going to hurt someone isn't really going to bring them any benefit. It doesn't tell them how to solve the problem. So making comments about how someone should be doing better at their parenting skills is not going to Im- make them suddenly better at their parenting skills, right? Mm. Show them how, right? Help them get those, get those like answers. How the agents will probably go, hey, you look so tired now. What happened? That's yeah. really not helping. Right? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what happened to me? So after, so obviously like, you know, I got married earlier this year mm. and then, you know, COVID got worse. So I started working like a lot of hours yeah. and I actually had someone tell me the other day, cause I was at the office without makeup on. And mm-hmm. she said, you know, you should really, now that you're married, you shouldn't let yourself go so much. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. And I was like, helpful. thanks. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm sorry that I'm doing 50 hours of counseling a month, but a week, sorry. Yeah. You know, that's not, but, but yeah, it's just, I think sometimes people don't think about how when you make comments, there has to be constructive, it's called constructive criticism. There right. has to be a, a, a oh, way to help yeah. people. Yeah. But sometimes I feel Malaysians forget the constructive bit. They just criticize. You, yes. you expect you to have a reply. Thank you. I'll put that on my list of things to do. Right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Say, right? Your comment has just enlightened me. Exactly. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, last words for parents who feel like they might be going through something uh, Mm. but actually are putting more importance on their children than themselves Mm. your kids need you that's just that's the simple thing right is that you're a parent which means that you have been given the 
amazing opportunity to guide these little people into the world. And if you can't, if you can't do that because you're struggling, then who will? So if your kids are a priority to you and you feel like they should be at the top of the pyramid and not you, taking care of yourself is putting them at the top of the pyramid. Because mm. if you can't take care of yourself, no one will take care of them. So that's why it's important. So yes, it might seem like a selfish thing to do. It might seem like you're not serving your kids, but you are. It's the best way to serve your kids is to take care of you. But sometimes, Kat, I mean, like, if you're a single parent, let's say a single mm. mom or whatever it is, right? Mm. Like, especially I watch this in, the, in TV shows in the US where the, mm. there's like social services always come around. And let's say you mm. haven't, you need some uh, psychiatric help, let's just say, and then you go seek mm. it, right? It goes mm. down in your record. And after that, that's like a mm. point deduction. In mm. many cases yeah right? that doesn't that doesn't happen here right <laughs> we don't so thank goodness it, yeah otherwise i don't know how many points i'd have deducted that doesn't happen here like <laughs> of course yes we do have our version of social services um and social services is going to be you know responding to any concerns by a, you know any reports upon which you know there's concerns about a child's well-being of course but technically or generally if any parent needs you know psychiatric assistance and goes to seek someone it's not something that will ultimately go on a record or something like even if your company were to find out and mm -hmm. call us we're not at liberty to even acknowledge that you've seen someone right it's all private and confidential so you know i think that malaysia is at this great place where you know there's so much more access than people realize even if you don't want to identify yourself there's all these ngos and hotlines that you can call that are anonymous just to kind of get that help without having to identify yourself right so there's all of these platforms that i think people don't realize right you don't have to take on that fear of going straight to a hospital and asking to see someone in psych um so you know but but i think that just acknowledging that you need that help and then looking yeah. for those avenues or asking people for suggestions on those avenues is is a bit that we have to we have to start with i think also one thing that's like super amazing about going to seek help or see someone to help yourself is the fact that actually you're talking to somebody who's 100 on your side only mm -hmm. and that's a beautiful thing when you're struggling and no mm -hmm. one else understands around you and you've got someone who's trained to understand who's mm -hmm. only on your side and nobody else it feels mm -hmm. like the world is against you already right Mm -hmm. And you've got this right, one person, right. so mm -hmm. it is a beautiful thing. Like I tell my clients, I have no allegiances to anyone but you, mm -hmm. right? And so that's kind of a really special thing because you know that this person is not your therapist, should not at least guide, you know, push you down any avenue that suits anyone but you, mm -hmm. right? But but the thing is also the fact that like, you know, going in and, and seeking out a professional, right, is it doesn't mean that you're crazy, right? There's this misconception that everyone you have to have a diagnosis to see a therapist i would say in easily 60 to 70 percent of my clients don't have a diagnosis mm -hmm. right they're just av average if you will people who need to have someone to talk to about their lives and about their struggles they don't have a sticker of depression or anxiety on their forehead they might have symptoms of it but they might not meet criteria right mm -hmm. for for a diagnosis so no so people who are hearing this who feel that oh i'm not severe enough or i don't have something major so i shouldn't speak to someone completely untrue you can always speak to a counselor or a mental health professional just because and it's smart to actually go before the problem becomes something worthy of a label yes absolutely prevention better than cure always